we are living in the last days. Sometimes I sense it's the last moments. With such urgency, we feel with what's going on in this world. I'm going to read a few scriptures. This one, first one is found in Matthew 24. If you make a notes, put down verses 3 through 14, but I'm just going to read just a few of the verses. Jesus says, Now as he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered them. So here's the answer. He said to them, Take heed. No one deceives you. So the number one sign of Jesus coming back is deception. Now, there's other things. But the number one is deception is going to be in the land like you wouldn't believe. And then he said to them, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. Now, this is two different sides here. One is many preachers are going to come saying about Jesus, I am the Christ, but they're lying to you because they're talking deception. There's going to be false prophets, in other words. But there's also going to be people, and there was even in Jesus' day, that came and said, they're going to say, I am the Christ, come and follow me because that's what the Antichrist is doing, going to do when he sets his kingdom up. Okay, so kind of a two-sided coin here. But notice what it says he will do or those people will do. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. So there's that deception again. And you will hear of wars, rumor of wars. See that you are not troubled. I like this. Listen very, very carefully. See that you are not troubled. I don't know about you, but war troubles me. And if we had a rumor that war was going to start in the United States this year, or as lately there's a lot of writing, different things going on, there's rumors of that. That troubles me. How about you? But notice what Jesus says. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And he goes on in another scripture, and I'm going to read him, talking about nation rising against nation, people against people, about earthquakes, pestilences, which could be the, pan out, uh, the pandemics and things like that, and disease and all those different things. It goes about those, and he talks about being delivered up, and he's talking about false prophets and, once again, deceiving many. But then verse 12, he talks about lawlessness will abound, love of many will grow cold. We've always heard that, you know, in the end days, there's going to be a lot of people growing cold in the love of God. But then 14, verse 14, he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations then. See that? Then the end will come. 
So he answered their question, did he not? He said, watch out for deceivers. Watch out for deception. It's going to be rampant in the land. It's going to go throughout the land. It's going to attack your family. It's going to attack your kids. It's going to do everything it can to get you to sway away from the truth and turn away from the truth. He said, watch out for it. It's going to be there. It's going to be prevalent. It's going to be big. It's going to be bad, and you can fall for it. If you're not awake to it, keep that in mind. He said, that's it. He said, but that's not the end. The end's not going to come until I have covered this earth with the gospel that everybody has had the chance to hear that gospel, the good news, and then I will come. So why isn't Jesus coming? Well, apparently this is the part that the Bible talks about. He's not willing any should perish. I think that's where we are today in the second coming, the, the rapture. I think we're in the Lord saying, I'll send my son when I feel everybody has had opportunity. I don't want anybody to perish, but all to come to repentance. Now, I said all that to say this. I'm not sure what's bothering me, but just a second. <laughs> Something's happening in my ears, and it was bothering me. So I don't know if it's those or what. I don't need anything to bother me right now. A lot of times when we're thinking of the end times, we always think about wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilence, all the bad stuff, right? Because we think, and, and you know what? The world's falling right into it. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. And that's what we think about. That's what we, we, we watch the news because all the bad stuff is done what's going on in all the world. And we think, boy, it can't be long. Jesus is about to come back. He's really got to be coming back. I mean, this world is going down uh, quick. And that's what we, we, we had hesitate on that. But there's something else I think we need to be thinking about more than the wars and sickness and disease and even deception. We need to be aware of these things. No, they're all part of it. But I believe there's something else that as believers, we need to be more aware of. That I believe in the last days, the Bible also talks about a great movement in the last days. I'm glad to be part of Move Church. I thank God that Bobby or that God brought us together as two churches to become one. And, and I thank God that he has allowed me to be part of this church. A lot of pastors would not accept another pastor, especially their pastor, to come and sit under them. And I, Bobby, I don't know if I've told him enough how much I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful to God. And I like the name Move Church because I believe God wants to move and move church like never before. There's another scripture that I think Bobby actually read part of it, maybe obviously his last Sunday, but not too long ago, that is actually, I believe, an end-time scripture because the devil has done a lot of things to try to make this scripture Matter, let me put it this way. A lot of people have misunderstood or misinterpreted this passage. 
You'll see what I'm talking about in just a minute, but let me read it first. It's 1 Corinthians 13 called the love chapter, right? I'm reading out of the New Century Version, so kind of listen carefully. Verse 8, starting in verse 8, going through verse 12, says, Love never ends. There are gifts of prophecy, but they will be ended. There are gifts of speaking in different languages, but those gifts will stop. There is a gift of knowledge, but it will come to an end. The reason is that our knowledge and our ability to prophesy are not perfect. But when perfection comes, the things that are not perfect will end. Verse 11 says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I stopped those childish ways. Verse 12, it is the same with us. Now we see a dim reflection as if we're looking into a mirror. But then we will see clearly. Now listen to this last part real carefully. Now I know only in part, but then I will know fully as God has known me. This portion of Scripture has been used by some, and believe it or not, there's more denominations that believe what I'm about to say than believe like we do. There's a lot of people teach that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in the past, that they ceased, that we don't have the gifts of the Spirit that they talked about in operation in the church today because they ceased. And a lot of people believe they ceased when Jesus came out of the grave. A lot of people I don't think really know when it. they think it ceased. They just know they've been taught it ceased, that we don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues today. We don't have the gifts of healing and the gift of knowledge and the gift of uh, interpreting of spirits and all the different. We don't have those today. They're not an operation of the church. That was the church of the past. But I believe that these scriptures teach us just the opposite. I believe that these, teach, these scriptures teach us, these references teach us in the New Testament to the strong, that this is one of the strongest references we have in the New Testament to the continuing power of the Spirit of God in the church, in the land. Will prophecies, tongues, and knowledge cease, be still, pass away, as different translations say? Will these things come to an end? Yes. Absolutely. Someday they will. Yes. Says so, and the Bible doesn't lie. But the problem is when and how. The text itself gives us the exact time, and that is at the appointed time of perfection. 
because when perfection comes, we don't need these things that are temporary. The time of perfection is a one place in time in history, no, in our future. That is still got to come to pass. That will be what we call the second coming of Jesus Christ, which entails the rapture and all the things that partake around that time, after that time. Verse 10 said, when perfection comes, that's what it said. Didn't I say? When perfection comes, then this others will be done away with. Clearly, the Apostle Paul writing this many years after Jesus came out of the grave and went back to the Father. He was writing these words down many years later, and he was writing them still as sometime in the future, right? Why is that? Because this has still not occurred. Jesus is the only perfect one. None of us are perfect. As much as we want our kids to think we are, I mean, you know, kids get to a certain age in life and they think we don't know nothing. We want them to think we know everything, but they get to a place where <laughs> that's, mom and daddy don't really know what's going on. They don't have a clue. And then they become mom and daddies in themselves, and they come back and say, oh, mom and daddy knew what was going on. <laughs> I don't have a clue. Well, that's because we're all imperfect. We're not perfect. We're all still learning. We're all still growing. We're all still trying to understand. We're all still trying to be better. Jesus is the only perfect one. Perfection comes to us when we see the perfect one. We will be like him, for we will see him as he is. When we see Jesus, we're perfect. I'm not talking about if you see Jesus in a vision, and maybe you have. I have never. Some people maybe have. I don't know. I'm not going there. I'm not talking about if you dream and see Jesus in your dreams. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you see him face to face. We just had a funeral ceremony, whatever it was, yesterday for my sister, my sister that passed away. Thank you. Thank you for all the kind words, cards, prayers especially. Thank you. And I said to some one of my family members yesterday, I said, you realize Sheila is looking face to face with Jesus. <laughs> oh, she's also talking to mama and daddy and others, and she's looking Closer than this, probably, and I'm not coming down here because my knee, and you don't want to come up here because I might slap you or something. I don't know. But she's looking face to face. She's perfect. Now, she's not in her resurrected body. She's still in her spirit's body. The resurrected body won't come until the day of the rapture when we'll all be rushed. Those that's alive remain will be all be changed in a moment of twinkling eye, and we'll get a new body, and we'll get the resurrection body like Jesus that is, will be made to live forever in the new heavens and the new earth, all these different things. But there's a spirit body, and there's a fleshly body, but there's also going to be a resurrected body someday. 
So I want you to know today, something is changing in this house today, if you'll listen carefully. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back because he wants us to be perfect like himself. He wants us to be fully complete. And so these scriptures that people are saying have ceased, have not ceased. God is still pouring out of his spirit. God is still moving. God is still doing things. The gifts of the Spirit are still operation in the land. And they will be until that which is perfect comes and we look face to face at the perfect one. Then that which is in part will be done away with because we will now be complete in him. This scripture literally says nothing about the gifts of the Spirit ceasing, especially in the sense of disappearing like people say. They don't happen no more. Matthew 5, 48 says, Be ye perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. How many of you obtained perfection yet? So what is that scripture trying to tell us? Well, the per word perfection actually means, I think pastor said this, more of a term of completeness. Well, how many's complete, completed everything on this earth that you're supposed to complete? How many's completed in your knowledge? You're completed in your relationship? You're completed in your uh, faith and you're completed in this? No, we're still growing, right? We're working on perfection, but you know, you'll never obtain completion or perfection perfection until Jesus comes and you look him face to face, then instantly you are perfect. You're out of here in that resurrected body. You don't need all this other stuff no more. You're out of here. So I got news for you. Something's happening in the land. No doubt we're in the last days, but I'm not looking for the bad. I'm not looking for the difficult times. I'm looking for faith to arise on the earth. From faith to faith, the Bible says, from power to power, from glory to glory, the Bible talks about. Jesus was talking in the book of Luke. He was talking, to, or Luke was writing about something Jesus said, and, and in one of the, the sayings, verse 8 says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When Jesus comes, will he find faith? And he left a question mark there. And you, some people read that and think, whoa, whoa, we're going to, we're going to lose a, lose a lot of people of faith. That scripture says, will he find? It means he won't be able to find faith. Now, that's not what that's saying. If he can't find faith on earth, then you and I are in trouble because it's by faith. You are saved through grace. You don't get saved without faith. You don't get saved without grace. You don't get saved without hope because hope brings substance to faith. And actually, you can find in the Scriptures, different Scriptures, some of them will say we are saved by faith. Some say we're saved by grace. Others say we're saved by, saved by hope. Why? Because we're saved by all three. Because you can't have one without the other. Grace is all around this world. Grace is abound in the land. But there's a lot of people not accepting because they don't have hope and faith to accept the grace of God. So I say, yes, he is going to find faith because when we get closer to the coming of Christ, sure, there's going to be some fall away. We're already seeing that. But some will move closer to completeness. Bobby talks about, Pastor talks about 
being closer, moving closer. That's what we need to be do, be moving closer to completeness. As you move closer to God, you move closer to being complete in God. And one of these days, you'll be at the place of completion, almost completion, and Jesus will say one of two ways. God the Father will say, go get my children, bring them home, or he'll say, your time's done. I'll just bring you home and finish the work to glory. You'll be complete as you get here. But either way, you're going to be, but we ought to be working towards it, growing towards it, looking for it, trying to better ourselves in Christ, trying to do more. I believe in the last days we're going to see a rise of faith in people that you've never thought would ever come to faith. Let me give you a few more scriptures, then I'm going to get into my message. This is all introduction. Aren't you excited? Micah chapter 4, verse 1 says, Now it shall come to pass, when? In the latter days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall, shall be established on the top of the mountain and shall be exalted above the hills, and the people shall flow to it. That's talking about the presence of the Lord. They're going to flow to the presence of the Lord. We need the presence of the Lord and move church more than we've ever seen it, and we've seen God do some great things in here. Get ready. It hasn't hardly even begun yet. Psalm chapter 1, verse uh, chapter, I'm not sure what chapter, 122, verse 1. The Bible says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That one I'm not sure is still happening right now because there's a lot of people that are choosing to stay at home. Thank God. If you're watching online, thank God that we've got the ability to do that because that's one way God is going to get it all over the world to every tribe and every nation and every people that are just too stubborn or just can't get out of their house. They can still hear the gospel. I thank God for that. But let me tell you, there's going to some people rise up. They're going to say one, once again, or maybe they've never been in the house of God, they're going to say, you know, let's go to church today. Let's go to that church we've been watching. Let, let's, let's just see what kind of people they really are. Why? Because there's something happening and stirring in this land that's going to make people want to be right with God. Let me give you one more. Acts 2, 17 and 21, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And everyone and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The key is Lord. Because the one that called on him as Lord they're saying, Jesus, I don't just want you in name only. I want you as leading my life, Lord of my life. You're it. I'm nothing. You're everything. Move in and take control. This song we just sang, in the chorus it said these words, what a healing Jesus I found in you. How many found healing in Jesus before? Okay, good. But then it says, you restore, refresh, and renew. You're my healing Jesus for such a time as this. Arise on healing wings, son of righteousness.
When you think of healing, what do you think about? Don't answer, just think. When somebody is sick, they come to the pastor and say, Would you pray for me? Y'all been praying for my knee. Keep praying. I'm ready to run down this aisle instead of limp down this aisle. Doctors have done what they can do. At least I hope so because I don't want to go back. So keep praying for my knee replacement. I've got a fake hip and a fake knee. Maybe they're implanting something in my brain and I'll start being smart. I don't know. <laughs> but we, we come, you know, my back is hurting. Pastor would pray, you know. I mean, how many know when you think of healing, most of the time we think physical or sometimes mental healing? Most of the time that's what we think about. Well, I got news for you. You're cutting yourself short or you're cutting God short if that's all you think healing is. Because healing is actually wholeness, body, mind, soul, spirit, and everything in between. It actually means more of making a person whole, complete in that area of their life. But we normally think physical healing, sickness, disease, cancer, surgery, and so on. And all that's part of it. And we want to still pray for the sick. We still want to pray for those that's in, in surgery or fixing it. We want to do all that. Why? Because Christ came to bring us to a far greater than just physical situation. He wants completeness, wholeness, body, mind, soul, home, marriages, struggles, and so on. I believe that what Christ wants to do in these last days end of, this, of what I believe is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of God, not just the gifts of the Spirit. I believe this is what God wants to do in this. Of this verse that we just sang, what a healing Jesus you restore, refresh, let me move over, and renew. I had these three words come to my mind on a few months ago. I, I jotted them down, and I thought, where have I heard those words from? They were back here, and, I, and they just came to mind, and I jotted them down, and so then I started searching out, trying to figure out where they came from. Then I come across this song, and I thought, we used to sing this song at Wild Church or New Hope. And that's where I, I was coming back, and I remembered it. And, so I've been just kind of mulling these words over in my heart and mind for a few months now. Every so often I think about them and finally found Dean and Mary singing it, and I've played it in my car a few times. And I really believe God wants to do these three things in these end times. I said, think about whether God, I told you earlier, think about why you're singing the song. What if Jesus comes back in the next six months? What does he want to do? I'll tell you what he wants to do. He wants to renew, or restore, refresh, and renew. And when that happens, the son of righteousness is going to rise up on healing wings. In your situation, he's going to restore, refresh, and renew. I believe that God is showing us today that he is about to show himself strong in these days. I challenge us to get out of the norm in our thinking. 
Get out of the norm of thinking that all the bad stuff that's happening around us is pointing to Jesus coming, and it is. But I want you to start seeing the good things that God is doing around us and what he wants to do around us and how he wants to move around us as being just as big, if not more prevalent, sign in our lives as believers of what he's about to do, and that's come get his church and take us out of here. That he wants to restore, renew, refresh your lives. He wants to move like never before in your situation, in your kids, in your grandkids. He wants to do things that you've been maybe even getting to the place now you're thinking, I just don't know what's going to happen. Don't raise your hand. I don't want anybody speaking again. But how many has, in your own heart, think about this, you've almost, at least you've thought more than you should that uh, so-and-so child, son, daughter, friend, best friend. Been praying for them for years. They just ain't changing. They're still not going to church. And you've almost given up. You've had the thought, it it ain't going to happen. Don't raise your hand. But if you're like me, you've had that. Don't give up. I believe he's rising up on healing wings like never before, and he's going to restore, refresh, and renew in our lives and in this world and in these last days. And, and you know, in, in some cases, it's not going to be but maybe just one of them. He may just re- restore something in a person's life that, that they've been, that, you know, but the truth of the matter is, they're all three in evidence. They're all three going to be evident in your life. You're going to see all three of these things happen. But I want to take a few minutes and talk about this first one. I don't know if I'll get to the next two. I kind of told Pastor Body, if I don't, can I preach next Sunday? He said, sure. I said, I I don't want to hurry anything. So for the next few minutes, listen like you've never listened before. I believe one of the main things God wants to do in our land and in your life, in your family, in, in every situation you face in life, I think he wants to restore. Some of the songs this morning talked about it. I think he wants to restore. What does it mean to be restored? It's the act of returning something to its former condition. How many ever restored furniture? I, we used to do that some. I used to enjoy doing that. You take something broken down and you fix it up and you sand it down. And I really loved it. Now we're getting away from it now. But I really love it. We just store it back to like it really was. I mean, the same color, the same stain. Now they're painting everything. That's fine. But one thing of restoration is to restore something to its former condition, better than it is. Also means making something new again. That's what they're doing now, restoring it or repurposing it, making it something new again. But it also means restoration can also make things better than their current state. This thing called restore covers a multitude of areas in our lives, spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, socially, every way you can think of. He's talking about restore. God wants to restore. Remember, he's moving us from partial to perfect. He's moving us to incomplete to completion because when he comes, we're complete. So he doesn't want us going backwards and not being more perfect or less complete. He wants us moving towards completion. 
And so I want you to know what he wants to do in your life, in your kids, in your family, in every situation. He wants to make you as close to what he's going to make you in the end as he can get you right now to completion. Many times the devil plays a part in stealing, killing, and destroying. Right? How many has had the devil steal something from you? I mean, he literally walked into your situation and just stole something from you. And maybe you still haven't got it back. Maybe you're still fighting the battle trying to get that situation changed. Maybe it's a relationship. He just stole it from you. He's destroyed so many people. He has destroyed marriages. He has destroyed finances. He's killed the joy in the lives of a multitude of people. He's a busy fellow. You know what? Why? Because he does his best at what he does. He's good at what he does. He loves messing up people's lives. But if the truth is known, it's not always the devil's fault. Right? Sometimes he just opens the door and we walk right through it. Eyes wide open. But we also know Satan is a deceiver. Sometimes he'll deceive people and we'll fall into that trap. Because one of the signs is deception in the land. But I want to say right now to you, we sang about it a little bit this morning. Anything the devil has ever stolen from you, God can give back to you. Anything. Anything. How many has ever lost the joy of your salvation? Maybe it lasted for a day. Maybe it lasted for just a few moments. Maybe it lasted for weeks. But you lost your joy of salvation. You just, you just didn't feel the joy of the Lord in you no more. Everything that was happening around you it was just zapping your strength. You just couldn't hardly smile. There just was no joy in life, you know, until maybe, and hopefully you got over it, but maybe you're still there. Because I'm telling you what, there's a lot of people, you just don't see a smile anymore. Believers ought to be the happiest and more joyful people on the face of the earth. And it shouldn't take long for somebody to say, what are you up to? <laughs> I'm not up to anything. Well, why do you smile all the time? Why are you happy all the time? That's just the joy of the Lord. I, I don't know about you. I haven't had that said about me in a while. Maybe never. But let me tell you, Psalms 51.12 says, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. I'm going to tell you one more time, smile again. Matter of fact, let's just change the atmosphere right now because we're getting all awfully uh, solemn right now. We're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? That shouldn't be solemn. Turn to somebody and put the biggest smile enough you're about to scare them and smile at them. Come on. Just put the biggest smile and, and, and scare them. And some of you even did what I'm going to say, Nick, we won't do this out loud or anything. But some of you, 
as you smiled, I heard you go, <laughs> you know, I don't know why you're laughing because they were so funny looking or it just felt so funny to smile because you hadn't smiled so long. I don't know why you're laughing. But laughter ought to be part of our life. Yeah, how many know laughter is a healing thing? And if he wants to heal us, he may want you to laugh more. He may be saying, you got the opportunity to be healed in your situation if you'll just smile and laugh a little bit more. I mean, no, you can't complain about something and laugh about it at the same time because you'll start laughing trying to do it. It's like it just don't work. Smile again, laugh again, hope restored, life is good again. God restores health. God restores. He heals the brokenhearted. Jeremiah 30, 17 says, For I will restore health to you, and your wounds will I heal. Yeah, God wants to physically touch our lives also. The devil has deceived some today into thinking that divorce is the answer. And if you're divorced today, that's it's in your past, you're remarried, forget it. Go on with your life. Don't, don't dwell on the past. Now, if you're not married again and neither one of you married again and you think you all made a mistake, then pray about it. God can still bring you back together. How many has ever known somebody? I can't remember the same I did that actually got married a second time and the second time their marriage worked because they didn't. They stayed apart and something happened. Let me tell you, God can restore your situation, and if the if, if you've been divorced and that's over and it's not going to happen, let me tell you, God still can restore your joy to live in life. You don't have to go through life in the humdrum because, oh, I'm single. Oh, I'm single. It doesn't matter. Sometimes it's better. Not for me. 47 years, and I wouldn't go back and change a thing except maybe some of the ways I acted. One or two anyway. Listen, the devil is such a stinking liar. Divorce is still on the rampage. It still is happening in the church as much as happened, not happening in the church, and that never was God's purpose. Sure, God works with all of us that mess up, and thank God he forgives us, and we can go on, but it was not God's original plan for the church to be just like the world as far as divorce. That was not his plan. And he can still fix things if we just let him. He's still rising up on healing wings. Let him rise in your situation and change it. The devil is a liar. Don't listen to his lies. Well, this, this one will just make you so much happier. This one, this situation will make so it's like the the the, the you know horse bending over the barbed wire and eating grass on the other side and getting poked, and the grass is fine right here. It's like, why does he do that? Because he's falling in the line. That's better than this. But it's the same grass. Sometimes the devil will say, well, if you'll just do this, if you'll just watch this, he will just go to this person, if we'll just give that up and grow over here, you'll be happier. I've told people that were coming to me for counseling in the past about, about job change. I said, never change a job because of money alone. Money doesn't bring happiness. Matter of fact, in many situations, it can make it worse because it will take you away from God if you're not careful. 
God's not against money. God's not against you having money, but he is against money having you. And you don't make decisions based on money. You don't make decisions based on, well, this is just a better job. It's got more benefits. Well, that's a good thing. I like benefits. Well, you know, this is a, a, a better company. Well, that's, there's always a better company because <laughs> there's no company perfect. No matter what company you're with, there's always a better company. And it's not wrong to move up, and it's not wrong, but let God do the moving. I tell people, said, here's the question you ask. You can ask the person hiring you how much I'm getting paid. You can ask the person what's the benefit. You can ask the person what all this. Ask them about all. There's nothing wrong, but ask God. God, is this what you want? That's what you ask. That's the main question you ask. You go to God and say, God, all this looks good to me, but I don't see everything. What do you want from me? Is this the best place I can go to serve you? Is this the best situation I can move into where I can serve you better than I was here? Because the question is not what I get, it's what I can do for him that matters. Why? Because we're in the last days. Six months from now, Jesus could come back. So really, think about that. Oh, I'm Man, if I move into this situation, me and my wife, we'll be able to buy this house and buy this and do this and do this. Let me tell you, if Jesus comes in six months, it don't matter no more. Right? That don't matter. So that don't be, that's not the first question. Those are great things, and there's nothing wrong with having them. But I'm saying the first question is, God, if I move into this situation, it, it, you know, and I just, I don't know. I'm not speaking the mind of God. And maybe there is a place for divorce, especially if, one beating the other, I don't, I don't put up with that kind of stuff, and you shouldn't either. You shouldn't either. I, there's no place for that. But just because you can't get along, just because I don't like because he snores too loud or she can't cook or he don't clean house enough, I knew that made my wife smile. My therapist asked me the other day, is housework, is your knee affecting your housework? I said, I don't do housework. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jim Irvin, when I told him that, he said, tell him next time, I'm married. <laughs> we, we're kidding. We should do our part, which is helping. I knew we should get a thrill out. Listen, if I choose never to pick up another person, part of my clothes, and I just throw them on the floor. And I choose to never wash a dish, and I choose never to cook again. That is not grounds for divorce. Ground for a lot of prayer, and you may be making yourself not going to be a real happy marriage, but let me tell you, God can restore even that man's mind to get it right, right to be the husband or the wife they should be. God can do a work. I know he can because he restored my mind one time when I was adamant about something in my life, and I was not going to change. I was mad about my situation. I said, I do not have to go through that again. I knew what caused that, and I said, no way, Jose. It's not going to happen. And six years later, Eugene Green was at our church, at a church, and he prayed for my mind. I don't think I told him nothing about what was going on for the last six years. But he prayed some kind of prayer, God heal this boy's mind, and instantly God healed my mind. God restored my mind back to what it should have been. And all of a sudden, I went home and I said to my wife, what do you think about having another baby? 
That's what I was adamant about. But I don't no more. Person was hard enough. Nine months later, we had Sarah. <laughs> what a blessing. And my son is a blessing. And my family is a blessing. And their kids are a blessing. And I wouldn't go back and change anything except I would change those six years that I was adamant. And my mind was sick with anger and sick with frustration and sick with, I don't want to do that no more. And it crept in. And I was a pastor or uh, yeah, I was a pastor at that time, or a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor at that time. I said, I don't need no more stress. Youth, to stress. youth are stressed enough. Now I got one. I don't need no more. And God said, yes, you do, son. And he healed my mind. Let me tell you, God can restore anything you let him restore. God can restore anything in your life. 1 Peter 5.10 says these words. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Hallelujah. No matter what the obstacle, God can restore your marriage from all things. God can restore your finances from being destroyed. God can restore your situation that you're facing on the job. He can change it. I've got so many things going on in my mind, I just can't tell them all. I really can't. I've had some frustrations in my life growing up and even after marriage, but it wasn't between us. That was the only thing that really was hard between us was I just too, got too adamant about that. But I've had jobs that I was frustrated at before I went into ministry. <laughs> ministry problems that I was frustrated at. And didn't know what to do because I'd never done it before and I'd never been a pastor and I'd never done this. And I had to call somebody and weep and cry to them and say, I don't know what to do. And I got good counseling and good help. I worked a job one time. I hated the job. I hated the job, but I had to keep it because we had to pay the bills and it wasn't making much money. And I hated the job. And the reason I hated the job is because I hated the man that was my boss. Hated him. Hated being around him, hated his dirty jokes, hated his stories he told. And he would make us sit in his office, and I would hear him tell it. And I couldn't get away from him because I had to sit there and listen. And I'd get out, and I just said, I just couldn't stand it. And I was so angry one day driving home from work in Memphis, Tennessee, I said, I wasn't saying anything. I was just mad. And I think I was about ready to go home and say, I'm quitting the job. I, I just can't take, take it no more. I just can't stand it no more. And going down the interstate in Memphis, Tennessee, I don't think I've ever heard God's voice audibly, but this was so close. I heard these words in my heart, if nothing else, say to me, what's your problem? It's like that. I literally, like, And I said to myself, what? And I heard it again. What's your problem? So then I figured out, okay, God's trying to, because I was a Christian. We, church, we were actively involved in youth and everything else at that church. I said, God, what do you mean what's my problem? I don't have a problem. Yeah, what's your problem? But then I figured out. 
And I don't think I said anything. I think I did say, I think I said what men say, nothing. That's our cop out, nothing. And he said, what's your problem? He said, that guy used God's name all the time. He said, he's not cussing you, he's cussing me. What's your problem? I said, God, I don't have a problem. He said, that's right. I can stop him anytime I want to stop him. I'm God. But that's not your problem. That's my problem. So what's your problem? He said, let me tell you what your problem is. You've got to go back and love him. You don't have to love the situation. But you've got to love him because I was hating him. Twenty-some-odd years later, I think it was a Sunday morning, maybe Saturday, I don't remember, my phone rang. I picked it up and said, hello? This was, I think, the phone. It might have been a cell phone. I don't know if I even had a cell phone. Hello? I don't pick up on this too good now. He said, Robbie? That's what I was called in those days. He said, Robbie? I said, yes, sir. I knew it was my mama, and she's the only one ever called me Robbie at that time. I said, yes, sir. He said, you don't know who this is, do you? I said, well, the voice sounds familiar, but no, sir. And I'm not going to say his name. It won't matter. I don't even remember his name now. Huh? Mr. Wibley. I said, no, sir. He said, this is Richard Wibley. I said, Mr. Wibley. That's what we called him. I said, well, man. He said, it, ha it has been a long time. He said, yes, it has, son. He said, how are you doing? I said, well, I'm doing good. He said, you still preaching down in Mississippi? Because I'd left Firestone to come to Mississippi to pastor or the youth pastor. I said, yes, sir, I'm still down here. I'm pastoring, actually. He said, oh, that's great. And he said, what church? And I told him. He said, well, I just hadn't talked to you in a long time. He said, I just, uh, he said, I'm actually down here in this area. Uh, he said, I'm, I'm bowling. I'm in a bowling league, and we have a tournament tomorrow morning. He said, I don't like bowling on Sundays, though, because I've started going to church since I met you last. He said, I just want you to know I gave my heart to Jesus, and, and I'm living for him now. And uh, I'm going to church. And he said, well, I, I wish I had known you were pastoring. I might would have made plans, but the tournament is on Sunday, and I just couldn't. He said, you know, I hate it. I just, I, I'm part of it. He said, but I just want you to know, I, I appreciate you, and I, I, I've thought about you often over these years. And I never once said anything to him after I quit hating him. I never once went to him and said, Mr. Wobby, you need to know Jesus. He knew I was a Christian. He knew I was in ministry or volunteer ministry. But what I did change was my attitude. I started loving him, and I started praying for him instead of hating him. And God got him. These last days, we need to do what? We need to be more complete than we are. God wants to restore people that you might not ever. I would have never in my days ever thought he would have given God his heart. He cussed him too much. He hated him too much. But he 
got a hold of God, and God restored what he wanted. He made him brand new. Amen? So let me tell you, and I'm closing. Bobby will have to let me preach to get the next two Sunday. Because we need to understand this. God's coming back. Amen? Jesus has come back. He's rising on healing wings, and someday he's going to rise up and call his church home and say, come on. But until that day, he's rising up in the spirit on healing wings. That's the spirit of God rising up in your life, and he wants to do what? He wants to restore something in your life. He wants to restore hope. How many has ever lost hope in your life? He wants to restore jobs. How many ever lost a job that you really wanted to keep? But you lost it. Maybe you lost it on purpose. Maybe you did wrong. Maybe you acted wrong, but you lost it. And you thought, boy, if I could oh, go undo that. How many's ever? I'm telling you what he's going to do, too. This pandemic has destroyed too many churches. One church is too many. But it's destroyed too many churches. Those churches are closed the doors. And their buildings are empty today because they couldn't get it back together. The pandemic was designed to do that, in my opinion. It was designed by the enemy. I'm not saying by China, but it was designed by the enemy of our soul to destroy the church. And it did in some cases, in some situations. It destroyed some people because they've gotten so, some people lost their joy during that time, and they still haven't got it back. Let me tell you, God wants to restore churches. I believe there's going to be new churches that's going to rise up, but I also believe that churches are going to be so packed, there are not very many seats left in this service. The next service, I hope it's just as full, but let me tell you, we're going to have to either someday go to three services, build a new church, or do something, or have a satellite church. It's going to happen. Why? Because we're in the last days. And let me tell you, if we only had six months, and there's Sick, and there's another thousand people out there that God wants to move into move church. He can do it in six months. I'm telling you, He can do what He needs to do. He can do it overnight. He can. I'm telling you, God is a big God. All we got to do is our part, and let Him take care of His part. He wants to restore churches. He wants to restore relationships. I'm telling you, there's been relationships, friends that got sideways with each other, relationships in churches that people got hurt or feelings hurt, and they left, and then they just quit going because they couldn't find the church like they were going to. But they can't go back to that church because I just can't be close to that person. Let me tell you what, then you may not be going to heaven because that person might, or maybe neither one of you, but both of you. But someday you're going to be in the same place if you know Jesus. You better get over it down here. Amen? Better get over it down here. He wants to restore relationships. He wants to restore marriages. I really believe there's going to be some divorced people get remarried. I really believe that. But he's going to restore marriages that's together, but they're living in the same house, but they ain't got no marriage. They're married, but they're not together. They're not together on anything. They're just together. One's in one room, one's in the next room, or one's... They're still married. Let me tell you, God's going to restore the marriage. Marriage is more than a license and a piece of paper. Amen. It's a relationship. It's it's a husband loving life, loving the wife like the church, and the wife being in submission to hus to the husband like she is to the church, and it all works in. That means the husband will die for the wife. That's what it teaches. I will give my life for my wife. 
It also means she will lay down her life for the marriage. and It works. It makes it work. He's going to restore marriages. You get ready. You watch, and if yours marriage is one that's kind of flaking around and not really doing too good and not what it needs to be, and maybe it was good at one time, let me tell you, it's going to be better than you ever thought it'd be. God's going to restore it, but you got to get up off your seat and begin to say, God, restore me now. If you want God to restore your marriage, you don't say, God, fix her or God, fix him. No, it's God, fix me. I'm broken. Restore what I'm lacking. And she needs or he needs to do the same thing. God can restore marriages. And marriage, in God's eyes, I'll just throw this is, is a man and a woman, period. We won't go any further. So let me ask you. Are you ready to believe God? To restore something in your life, your children, your finances, your hope, your strength, your mind. You need God something to restore in your life? Bow your heads for just a second, please. How many got something you need God to restore in your life? Just hold your hand up and put it right back down. Yes, 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 yes. All over. We don't really have time. I hate time, but we have to have time because there's another group coming in here in a little while. So I'm going to ask you to do something that's probably harder, a little easier to do than what, what I was going to ask you to do. I was going to ask you to come down here and stand right here. But if you're ready for God to restore something in your life that either the devil stole or you gave it up or you messed it up or you blew it or whatever the case, but you really want God to restore something back in your life, you just raise your hand, in other words. I want you to stand up right where you are and just stand there, please. Just stand up because I want others to see you didn't raise your hand by yourself. Now, those that's standing, look around, please. I want you to see you ain't the only one. The devil's been lying to you thinking you're the only one been in this situation. If you hadn't done this, you would have this still. If you hadn't been this, he's just lying to you. Don't listen to the liar no more. Listen to the Word of God. If you need fixing, say, God, fix me, whatever it is. Fix me. Heal me. Heal my mind. Heal my hurts. Heal my actions. Heal my attitude. Fix me. Let me tell you, God can do it. He can do it instantly. And in some cases, he'll say, okay, you go do this, and I'll take care of that. He may do that. You may have to go say to somebody, especially in relationships, you may have to go to say to somebody, I've had a bad attitude. I don't know about you, but I've had a bad attitude, and I want you to know my attitude stinks, and I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And then God can heal your attitude, and maybe theirs too if they were waiting for God to move. I don't know. But what about you? So here's what I want to do. You might have to move just a little bit. but I don't think you will. I want somebody to stand next to each one of these people only if you believe that God wants to restore them. Okay? And if it's a couple, one person can stand with a couple. So everybody that's in the place, I want you to move to somebody if you can. And if somebody can't come to you, then I want people standing, turn and pray for each other. Okay? Okay? 
And I'm going to pray for all of you. We just don't have time right now to lay hands on, on you. But it's not my hands, it's God's hand. Amen? If you're a couple, turn and pray for each other. If you're an individual, nobody's with you, that's okay. You just call on, call on God. If you're looking around, you see somebody by themselves, pray for them right now, would you? Father, I come in the name of Jesus. By the authority of Jesus Christ, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you restore right now in the life of the people and marriages and couples and homes, the people that are standing right now, start the work of restoration in their life. Restore in them what they need to be restored. Restore their minds. Restore their fellowship. Restore their, their joy. Restore their confidence. Restore their faith. Restore their marriage. Restore the relationship. Whatever, God, start the restoration process right now in the name of Jesus. If that's your receiving, I want you to lift your hands and say, yes, Lord, do it right now. Yes, Lord, do it right now. Yes, Lord, do it right now. I need it done. I'm willing to change. Do what you got to do in me. Do it right now. Now, everybody stand if you would, please. Come on, Father, in the name of Jesus, what a day you, this has been. Something, Lord, has changed in the hearts of people, and lives are being changed right now in the name of Jesus. Homes, marriages are being restored, lives, even jobs, God, you could bring back, or you can open brand new finances, Lord. Hope, joy is about to rise up in people's lives like never before. And in the name of Jesus, we thank you. And the church says amen and amen. God bless you today. I want you to know, come back next Sunday, please, if you will. It won't be as long because I'll quickly get to the next two points. We're actually short, but too long for today because we only got 15 minutes. God, forgive me for going too long. You will. Thank you for coming. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.